it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. And welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yes, I am Mary Welcher. So happy to be with you. Got a really good show planned for you coming up later this hour. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West will be joining us. And uh, there's a few things going on in the world to to, to uh, discuss with him. You know, I always welcome you joining me. 866-408-7669 is my number. Boy, some stuff was happening last night. Oh, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Did you ever just wake up one morning and just have a back, like your back, you can't move? I've never had that happen. I've hit that stage in life where I apparently injured my some, myself somehow sleeping. I have no idea how that happened. I went to bed, I was fine, and I woke up this morning, and I thought, oh, I wonder if I should call an ambulance. <laughs> I'm just like, how did that happen? I've hit the injuring myself in sleep stage of life, and it just hits you like a ton of bricks. It's like, And I was up and down. Maybe this is part of it. I was up and down because I was I was getting ready for the show, and we know that you know CNN released uh, these these tapes of Trump's 2021 conversation about classified documents. Now we know that the tapes existed because the, um, the prosecution uh, told us that uh, they have, you know, they have, we have damning evidence. We have these, these damning tapes, these recordings. Well, of course they leak them to CNN, to Anderson Cooper, you know, cause CNN needs all the help they can get in any kind of ratings. Right. And this is what they do over and over and over again. They leak everything. We can't find anything on Joe Biden. Like the investigation into Joe Biden and the classified documents, nothing, not a peep, nothing. There's no court date. Nothing's happening over there, but Trump and classified documents. Oh, we're moving at full speed ahead with that, of course. And of course, things are now leaking out. Now, I always find I, I personally think that when they're leaking things out, uh, they're doing it because they they're, they either don't have a lot of stuff, so they're trying to form opinions as as much as they possibly can. And based on their past history, DOJ, FBI, etc., they leak things out when they're just trying to hurt the uh, the target. And it's always Trump. They always do it with Trump. Comey leaked right to the New York Times. They they leaked all sorts of things during Trump's administration just to try to hurt of him. A lot of it was was just BS. It was lies. They knew it was lies, but they wanted to use it as a predicate to open up another investigation and, and um, you know, self-fulfilling prophecies. They create the evidence, then they leak the evidence, the, the fake evidence, and then the uh, media, of course, dutifully reports it. And then they look at that and they, they go to the judge and they go, well, look, the New York Times is reporting this, so it must be true. We, should, we, we need to investigate whether this is true. And so I, of course, have a healthy dose of skepticism when it comes to this. I have um, a lot of questions. So if you haven't heard it, let's let's delve into some of this. This is um, allegedly at Bedminster, uh, Donald Trump in July of 2021. He uh, was with some reporters and some of his staff were there as well. 
And um, he, he, you can see it's a very light conversation. You'll hear it here that he's having with them. So, and and again, this is all out of context. It's not video. This is just audio. Personally, I think we need to see the video to actually see exactly what's happening. But I'll let you make that decision. And we'll start it out. We'll do it in pieces. Let's start it out. Except it is like highly confidential yeah. secret. <laughs> this is secret information. Yeah. So as president, I couldn't be less. Yeah. Uh, now I can't, you know, but this is yeah. classic. With Millie, uh, let me see that. I'll, I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. So he said this, you heard him say there, except it is like highly confidential. This is secret information as president. I could have declassified it, but I didn't. I could have declassified it, but I didn't. That's a big deal. But here's the other thing. As I'm listening to all this. And again, I I'm, I'm open to this being a hundred percent legit. Okay. Because I just want to know the truth. I just want to know the truth. I just don't think Trump's a dummy. And I know the media paints him as this big dummy and it's all about his ego and he likes to show off and he likes to brag, which he does. I mean, he's, he's from Queens. It's kind of what they do. But I don't think he's dumb enough to actually show classified documents to reporters, number one. And number two, I don't think he's dumb enough to say, like his, to, in my brain, I just don't think he's, he's dumb enough to say, well, yeah, this is classified. I could have declassified it, but I didn't. I I just think it's kind of like a bragging thing with him. I I just don't think he would do that to reporters. He knows full well. He knew, you know, you can't do that. Knows full well. He also knows Hillary got away with all that stuff. But um, I, I just don't think he's that careless and stupid. You know, he ran the country pretty well for a guy who's such a dummy, right? I don't know. So, all right, here's some more. Um, he, he talks about, he talks about some more, uh, secret information. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know, mm-hmm. except it is like highly confidential. Yeah. Secret. <laughs> this is secret information. Look, look at this. Now he's saying this is secret information. Look at this. Was he show? This is why I want to see like a video. Did he actually show them pieces of paper that were you know, like, and you could see what was on it? I don't know. Did anybody get anything from it? I don't know. Did he just show it to them? Were they allowed to sit and read it and know what was on it? I don't know. You know, what's if he if he just hands it up and shows it to them and says, oh, look, this is secret versus, you know, letting them pour through it and, you know, really read it and find out what's in it. Is there a difference? All right. Here's some more. This is this is more of uh, Donald Trump, with the leaked audio. And I'm talking about declassification here. I was just saying, because we we're talking about it. <laughs> and, you know, he said he wanted to attack Iran and what? He's in the papers. This was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably, right? We'll we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, so he's saying there, uh, I think we probably can write. And then you hear a staffer, allegedly allegedly a staffer saying, we'll have to see what we can do. And he says, declassify it. So it sounds like he's saying, I think we can, we'll have to see if we can declassify it. So it sounds damning, right? 
But a lot of things that have been leaked in the past sounded pretty damning for Trump. And then we find out that it was all nothing. So I have a lot of questions. Now, Tom Fitton comes out last night. Now, Tom is not a lawyer. He is head of Judicial Watch, but he is himself not a lawyer. But he said the leaked Trump tape doesn't tell us anything we don't already know. As president, Trump received records as commander in chief. Nothing on this tape suggests he wasn't authorized to have the record. The Constitution, various laws and court precedent establishes that the president has unfettered authority to manage records as he sees fit. The court, by the way, should find out who leaked the tape. That, to me, is the part of this that nobody's talking about, of course. But shouldn't we find out who leaked the tape? Because, and and I have, a, I, don't, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer. I watch a lot of Judge Judy, but I'm not a lawyer. But it seems to me like this was leaked. It goes nationwide. Doesn't that taint any kind of jury pool for Trump? They already have in their brain, oh, this is terrible. This is horrible. Did you hear what he said on the tape? Oh, the... They're already going to be prejudiced now, the entire country, when it comes to this. And I wonder if that was the point. 866-408-7669. I've got more coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I am Mary Walter. I am sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. Well, welcome to the show if you're just joining me. Coming up in about 15 or so minutes, we'll be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. I want to talk a little bit about immigration. There's a lot going on, and we all seem to have forgotten about the southern border, and it's almost like we've just accepted that this is just the way it is. Like, we were outraged in the beginning, and then you had all these huge caravans. Now there's no more of the huge caravans. The The administration's been very good at get re- getting rid of that optic. They have an app now that they can just make their appointment to cross illegally. Hand to God, true. Yeah. Like, you're making a Saturday night reservation at a restaurant. They just make a reservation and go, you know what? Next week, Wednesday, kind of looking good for me. That's when the coyotes say that they'll have me there at the border. So um, if you could just be ready and process me then so that you can release me anywhere I want to go in the country. And, oh, by the way, have my airplane ticket ready. And the U.S. travel agency that we now run says, sure, would you like first class? Or would you prefer to go to buy bus? What could we do for you? So um, that that's what's happening at the board right now. So you don't have the image of the big, huge caravans. So it just goes to show that the administration can do things when it comes to the border. It's just that they choose not to do anything when it comes to the border as far as controlling the number of people coming across. 
Uh, now, we now know that almost all migrants at the port of entry are being freed into the United States. Now, here's the other thing that the administration did. Again, they can handle this if they want to. They're choosing not to stop the flow in. What they're choosing to do is streamline it so they can do it if they want to. They're choosing to streamline it so the optic of, you know, 15,000 people at the border doesn't make its way to your uh, television set or your computer screen or how, or your phone. So you don't see it. And so we're none the wiser. We're going through our lives going do, 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 and have no idea what is coming across the border. Okay. So. They've had a series of catch and release programs. And through that, what they've done is DHS has now funneled tens of thousands of border crossers and illegal aliens. They're, they're channeling them through the legal ports of entry. One of the ways they do that is with this app because you have to show up to a legal port of entry. So they celebrated a 25% decrease in encounters between ports of entry where people were just walking across and weren't even going, you know, they weren't going in the front door. They're coming in the windows and everywhere else. So they knew that that was a problem because that was a big number and people, that was an optical people didn't want to see, was, you know, making people pay attention. So they said, Oh, we're going to get rid of that optics. What we're going to do is we're going to tell them come to the ports of entry. So then they report a 25% decrease between the ports of entry. It's a, and, and, 35,317 aliens were encountered at ports of entry, which is a 20% increase from April of 2020 and a 34% increase from January of 2023. So in other words, we're streamlining it and it's working. And the CBP one app is, um, allows them direct release into American communities from Mexico. They implemented it in January. More than 100,000 foreign nationals have entered the U.S. through the Migrant Mobile app. That is equivalent to the population of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and New Bedford, Massachusetts. Close to half a million will be able to schedule appointments at the border and then get released into the interior at a 99% success rate through the mobile app. It's an open border. It's basically what it is. You don't need a passport. You don't need anything. If you're dumb enough to fly into the country, then you need a passport and they have to go through your luggage and you have to go through screening. But if you walk in, as long as you go through the app, you're fine. Now, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR, released their annual report estimating the size of the illegal alien population that is residing in the United States. Based on the latest Census Bureau data, they found that there are at least 16.8 million illegals now living in American communities. That's an increase of 2.3 million since Biden took office in January of 2021 and an increase of 1.3 million since last year, same time last year. So we're adding over a million illegal every single year. Now, that, that brings with it a sharp increase in costs to you and me, to American taxpayers. According to FAIR, the unprecedented rate of influx of new illegal aliens over the past year would add $12.6 billion annually to the costs of illegal immigration, bringing the cumulative net cost to at least $163 billion, taxpayer dollars, a year spent on illegal immigrants. At the current pace, the annual net cost will exceed $200 billion by 2026. 
more illegals, if this keeps up at the current pace, more illegals will have resettled across the U.S. in Biden's first three years of office than in the entire decade of the 2010s. In 10 years. Now, what are those costs? Well, according to the House Homeland Security Committee, um, we have Medicaid spending on emergency medical services for illegal immigrants went from about $3 billion in fiscal year 2020 to over $7 billion in fiscal year 2021. So you've got the cost of that, the, the emergency medical spending. Also, don't forget the students because of the mass immigration. The number of U.S. immigrant-headed household, immigrant-headed households, has more than tripled to 11 million since 1980. And at the time, uh, these kids only accounted for just 7% of all public school students. 83% were born in the U.S., so they have birthright citizenship, regardless of whether their parents are here legally or not, so the parents get to stay. About 30% of students from immigrant-headed households are from homes led by illegal immigrants. In, 2020, in 2021, 21% of public school students from immigrant households lived in poverty, and they accounted for 29% of all students living below the poverty line. So as a result, we have a significant increase in enrollment in our schools without the corresponding tax revenue, right? And they can register anywhere. A lot of, a lot of um, school districts across the country, if you are here legally, you need to prove that you live, reside in the district. But if you're here illegally, you can go anywhere you want. You have school choice. But with that comes a, a hefty price tag. Because now you're paying for food for them in school because they're, they're poor, right? They're below the poverty level. So they get all of the extras that come along with that. They also don't speak English. So now we are having to pay a, a, a huge increase in the number of limited English proficiency programs, meaning kids who don't speak English. They get special programs then to bring them up to the task of being able to function in America uh, with English, learning English. So it, it's, a, it's a big problem, and it's a huge price tag, but yet you hear the left will constantly say, and I see it all the time on social media, not that social media is, you know, the end-all, be-all, but all the time on social media with people going, they contribute, they pay taxes, Maybe, maybe some of them do, and maybe some of them are doing it with your stolen social security number. Uh, but some, and I realize they pay sales taxes, but they don't, they're not paying the other taxes to pay for schools and Medicare and, and all the other programs that they are pulling from and taking that away from American citizens. That's who should be getting this. All right, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West will be joining us next to talk about this what's happening in Russia, and a whole lot more on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Republicans and Democrats always chirping about this and yet never actually bringing the the issue to a conclusion never actually getting the job done so when we go in on day one 
We're going to marshal every bit of authority that we have. Uh, we'll work with Congress when we need to. We'll take executive action when we can. Uh, and it will be a day one priority. That's Ron DeSantis sounding very Trumpy about the border. Let's discuss it with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. You can find him on Twitter at Alan West with an E-A-L-L-E-N. American Constitutional Rights Union Executive Director. He's former congressman from Florida. And he is author of the books Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death, and We Can Overcome, an American Black Conservative Manifesto. And I just love this guy. Uh, Alan West, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Mary. How are you today? I'm doing just fine, sir. Thank you so much. Um, so uh, what's happening at the border, you hear Ron DeSantis there sounding very, very Trumpy about the border. Uh, is that what we can expect, do you think, from all of our Republican candidates? They're going to sound very, very Trumpy when it comes to this. Well, I don't think I would classify it as sounding Trumpy. Why don't you just sound like you're going to abide by the Constitution and the rule of law and protect our sovereignty as a republic? I think that's what people need to be discussing. And, you know, everyone's focusing and talking about what's going on in Ukraine. We have an insurgency going on right here in the United States of America. We have an invasion going on right here in the United States of America, Uh, not just with quote-unquote non-combatants, but we also have combatants. We also have terrorist infiltrators that are coming in. So we need to solve this issue here first and foremost, and I think that it is time that you get tougher with a transnational narco-criminal terrorist organization. That's what the cartels are, and they are using strength and might and arms and things of this nature by which they have operational control of our border. And we have just uh, we cannot continue down this path of denying that and allowing people to come here uh, illegally. And and what also upsets me is that people don't understand this whole birthright citizenship, it has nothing to do with the 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment was meant to ensure that people that kind of looked like me, uh, slaves, we became citizens. That's what the whole 14th Amendment was about. The 14th Amendment was not about you uh, breaking our laws and coming to this country illegally, and the next thing you know, uh, your child gets to be a citizen, and then you get to stay here. Show me another country where that's a policy. Right, right. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. But you know, uh, trying to argue that is just ridiculous because these are the same people who think that the poem on the bottom of the Statue of Liberty is national policy too. So, you, you know, there, there's a bit of a learning curve. Uh, well, we were just talking about how the administration is making it easier with this app. They, they have come up with the CBP One yeah. app that allows foreign nationals to schedule an appointment to cross into the country illegally. Uh, and, and it gets rid of the optics of having a huge group of, you know, 15,000 show up at the southern border, you know, mm-hmm. and, and want to get into the country. And 99% of them just get released right into the country, and they know that that's the way it's going to be. So you talk about, you know, enforcing the, the law at the southern border, but it seems as if we have streamlined um, the way to just have it literally an open border. of the people who show up just walk right into the country, and then we pay tickets. We buy them tickets to go anywhere they want to go. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, We have gone from the 
uh, policy of remain in Mexico to now we're processing in Mexico. And you know, again, show me the uh, enumerated power by way of the Constitution that the executive branch can create an app or create any means by which people uh, who are not citizens can come in here and bypass all of our laws and processes and procedures and walk into this country. So what you end up happening now at the border, and this is why the numbers aren't being reported, people are coming across and they already have their packets. So there are folks who are processing illegals south of the Rio Grande River, which, again, is a violation of our law. And that's why one of the things we have to do, Mary, is we have got to stop allowing these non-governmental organizations who are getting American taxpayer dollars to be down there and basically be the processing and the travel agencies for illegal immigrants. We've got to stop that. And each state can do that by denying, uh, revoking the privilege of these 501c3 uh, NGOs. But... This is high crimes and misdemeanors. This is treason. You're supposed to be upholding the laws uh, of this country, the Constitution, protecting the sovereignty of America. And that's the exact opposite of what Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and uh, Alejandro Mayorkas are doing. Okay, so so where are the Republicans? I, do, I know it's a dumb question to ask where are the Republicans because I feel like I ask it every single day. Why is there nothing being done to impeach Mayorkas? Why? Hey, look, you got to have them on. You got to get Kevin McCarthy on, and you got to ask him why is it that when the Democrats are in the minority, they're they're you know tenacious. When they're in the majority, they're tyrannical. And why are you afraid to uphold the laws? You you are you know the House of Representatives. You can bring up articles of impeachment. You have right. all the evidence that is there. Why are you reticent and recalcitrant? Who cares what the New York Times is going to say, the Washington Post, or whomever? The the Democrats impeach President. Trump twice, one on a hoax, a, a, a lie that we now, now know for certain, and the other thing on a phone call. But yet you have people that are undermining our Constitution, yeah. violating its, its laws, and we're not doing anything about it. And that, that's very frustrating. Yeah, it is. Why do you think we're seeing an exodus of Biden border officials? Uh, they've a total of seven in recent months have have left uh, pretty high up. And, uh, you know, you had uh, the the latest one was uh, Raul Ortiz, uh, whose last day will be June 30th. And that was after he testified to Congress. Not so not exactly uh, didn't have a lot of nice things to say about the administration. But you have a lot of them who who are just leaving. Is their job done? Have is their job done in the sense of they were supposed to flood the country with illegals? They've done it. And so now they can retire and go elsewhere. Is there something else going on? Well, uh, two things. Uh, I think that they should not be getting, you know, taxpayer-funded retirements because they have aided and abetting human sex and drug trafficking. And maybe some of them are are stepping down because they don't want to be a part of this anymore. Mm-hmm. I wish we had more generals in the military that were stepping down with some of the policies that we see coming out of the Biden administration. Because then maybe you would get the media to ask the question: Why are these senior-level uh, leaders in the Border Patrol, Homeland Security, and the military stepping down and refusing to be part? Part of this, and they need to speak out about the things that they're being told to do, which again is unconstitutional. But uh, it's very hard for the rank and file. You talk to the rank and file Border Patrol agents; they're discouraged, they're despondent, they're depressed. Yeah. I mean, they're not doing their job, which they were uh, supposed to do, and to include the ICE agents who are told you can't deport people. 
Yeah. So very quickly, in, in about a minute or so that I have left here, we see that Russian authorities announced yesterday um, um, a criminal investigation into the Wagner Group and the armed rebellion has been closed. No charges filed against anyone involved. It sounds like something that they would do here against Hunter Biden, right? Like that just I'm like, wow, did they have the same team that we have when it comes to Hunter and Joe Biden? Just like that. Boom. No, nothing's going to happen. What really happened with this thing? What's your assessment of it? You know, the the biggest thing I can see is that you have an oligarch who has his own private mercenary army, the the Wagner Group, and he does not want to see his uh, private army being decimated. He does not agree with the invasion of Ukraine, and he tried to make a statement about it, uh, but I guess he knew his limitations that he backed down. Uh, there's some turmoil in, in the middle of this, and, and I think that now is a gap, an opportunity for Zelensky and the Ukrainians to exploit. When you, as Napoleon said, never interfere with your enemy when he is destroying himself very quickly just one just one thought that i had could putin be doing this to make him look weak so everybody thinks he's weak and then boom he's not weak and you know everybody walks into a trap of some kind well, you know, that that could be a part of it, you know, but he's KGB. He's very savvy, very witty, but yeah. the truth on the ground tells what's happening, and the truth on the ground is that Russia is not being successful in their invasion of Ukraine, uh, and, and I think that he is starting to worry about what has happened. There are some fractures that are there. Very interesting. I, I just thought that was so insane. Like they just they did the investigation already and decided nobody was going to get charged. Oh wow, that that's just incredible. I didn't know Putin was a. De- I didn't know um, that the Wagner Group was comprised of Democrats. Uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel <laughs> Alan West, thank you so much for joining me. By the way, if you are an Alan West fan, as I am, go to YouTube, look up Mary Walter Radio, and he was my co-host on my podcast last Tuesday and se- a couple of weeks ago. We did an entire podcast just all about lieutenant colonel alan west who is he and we talked everything but politics and there are some adorable baby pictures of the of uh, alan west <laughs> oh stop it okay thank you so much for joining me god bless have a great week God be with you. Thank you, Mary. 866-408-7669 is my number. If you want to jump in anywhere along the line, 866-408-7669. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. And I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade, 866-408-7669. You can follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. So we're just speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. We're talking about immigration since he is is in Texas. And, uh, again, it's not just a problem that affects Texas, though. It's everywhere now, right? Which it's it's not just the problem of one state. It's of the border states. You've got uh, immigrants, these illegal immigrants everywhere, and they're not going back. You know, I know President Trump has said that he's going to deport them, but I don't know if that's actually going to really happen. And I, I saw one of the states more than the, the a number of people who have come into this country. If you put them all in one state, that state, the population uh, of that state would be the same as the population of 49 other states. So except for one, there's one state that has a higher population than the number of people that have come into this country illegally. 
Uh, let's head to Alex in California. Alex, you know a lot about, I'm sure, uh, immigration there in California. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. I want, thank you for taking my call. I wanted to suggest a way for us to protect the uh, people who still identify the Western culture. Uh, the open border is basically going to change the demographics so that Westerners become a minority in the United States. And one way to protect their rights is for the Senate to ratify the European Convention on Human Rights. That would then place the Supreme Court under the jurisdiction of the European Court of Human Rights. And then and when the Westerners will, will become a minority and they can't get satisfaction from the Supreme Court because they're being discriminated against, then they can appeal to the European Court of Human Rights. It's a bit of a complicated idea, but the yeah. European Court of Human Rights protects minorities. It's interesting. I don't know if I very, very interesting, Alex. Thank you so much for that. I, I, I don't know enough about it to be able to comment, but I just don't like the idea of ceding the the Supreme Court to a foreign a European court. I, I don't because uh, I look at Europe and I look what's happening there. That doesn't make me feel like, oh, I want that. You know, that just doesn't they just don't seem to be doing much better over there. And it just seems to be a little bit more of a mess, actually. They're, they're further down the road than we are when it comes to, because they allowed a whole bunch of people just into their country. And a lot of their borders were just overrun. Um, and, you know, kind of like cars were later. So we seem to be a couple of years behind them into what's happening. So uh, I, I just don't know if that's necessarily the place we want to cede our Supreme Court to. It's interesting. All right. So, you know, with all of the elect- electric vehicles, because we all have to go electric. Everybody has to drive an electric car. Everything has to be electric. And and we don't have the electric grid to support any of this, which we know. But they're pushing everybody to drive electric, electric, electric. Well, because of that, how are, how do we finance our roads and our bridges, right, and our infrastructure? Gas taxes. So, of course, and we heard this a long time ago, if you force everyone to electric, fewer people are going to be paying the gas taxes. There's going to be less money coming in to pay for our roads and bridges, which clearly there's not enough coming in or there's enough coming in. It's being spent on other stuff. So now we've got a problem. Now, because tax, those taxes generate less money every year due to inflation, number one, also fuel efficiency and the rise of electric cars. So I have a hybrid. So I'm com- I am, you know, uh, I'm contributing to the problem because when I fill my hybrid up, my my miles, you know, a tank of gas, I can go over 600 miles. But I'm doing what they want me to do. I'm paying attention. I'm being a, a good little good little conformist. I don't have an electric car though. So they're look, states are looking for different proposals to help make up the shortfall. And the one that's gaining the most popularity is charging drivers by the mile instead of the gallon. Now, I thought, well, that's darn invasive because now they're going to put a little, a little monitor on my car that's going to tell them how many miles that I drive so that they can then send me a bill in the mail to charge me a tax on it. And, you know, of course, people will say, oh, well, you know, they just put this little device on the car and don't worry, it'll come from the manufacturer. And it just feeds the, the information, just gets read. So however it gets read, whether it's electronic or however it gets read and we'll know how many miles you traveled. And so we can, you know, charge you accordingly. Um, I don't like that because they're going to tell me, well, you can't tell us where you go. Uh-huh. Sure, it can't. 
I just don't trust it. I just don't trust it when the government tells me they're going to monitor what I do. But don't worry. We're not going to know where you go or what time you're out of the house or anything along those lines. Now, other ideas that have been presented include taxing electricity from public vehicle charging stations. Why not do that? That's a great idea. Instead of charging at the pump for gas and you pay the tax there, pay the tax at the charging station. That seems to me to be the most logical and the least invasive, so it's not going to happen, obviously. Another is to uh, put a charge, a fee, a tax on door-to-door package deliveries. Now, in 2015, Oregon did a pilot program with charging motorists for every mile that they drive rather than how much gas they consume. And to participate, drivers plug a device into their car and they create an account and that captures their mileage data. Now, the federal pro- federal government's about to start their own pilot program doing the same thing. And it, they got the money for it in the infrastructure program that Biden signed into law in uh, November of 21. So far, only three states, Oregon, Utah, and Virginia, are generating revenue from road u- usage fees. Hawaii will be next. How far can you go in Hawaii? I mean, really. Um, Colorado last year uh, added a 27 cent tax to home deliveries from Amazon and other line, online retailers to make up for transportation projects. But those people have get most of those vehicles are gas vehicles. They're already paying a tax. Other states have began testing electronic toll systems. I personally think, you know, if you're making if you if it's a shortfall because of the get no gas tax, not as much of a gas tax, then put a charge, tax the electricity at the public electric charging stations, right? That seems to make the most sense. So that's the one that's not going to be, but I think it's more than that. You know, they say it's also inflation. Okay. So it's also inflation. So the money, the money's not going as far. They want another tax is basically what this is. They want to create another tax in order to get you to pay again in order to get more money for bridges and roads, etc., I got news. If we would just take, you know, I don't know, a quarter of the money that we're sending to Ukraine and used it for this country, think of the problems we could solve. Think of the roadways we could have. Think of the schools, the security we could have in our schools. There is so much we could do with that money. And it would be used here for Americans. I don't know. To me, that sounds like the best solution. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Yes, I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. Thank you so much for joining me. 866-408-7669 is my number if you want to weigh in. Right now, though, we are joined by Miranda Devine. She's a New York Post columnist. She's the author of The Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech, and the Dirty Secrets the President Tried to Hide. Follow her on Twitter, at Miranda Devine. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Mary. Now, let me tell you, if anybody knows Hunter Biden, it's you. Um, you, you probably know far more than you ever wanted to know about Hunter Biden. <laughs> 
Very true. <laughs> so on a, on a personal note, does it give you some kind of satisfaction when you see what's coming out now about Hunter and, um, you know, the, the uh, taxes and all these allegations that the, by the whistleblowers that the that the DOJ and the FBI bent over backwards to make sure that he was never investigated, all these things. Do you feel somewhat, I guess, vindicated? Because when you first came out with the laptop information, when you first started talking about that, man, you were called all sorts of names crazy and, and and you were vilified and really put down and smeared. Are you getting a little bit of vindication from this? Well, look, I, I mean, I don't know that it's really satisfying at all to see that, um, you know, the DOJ and, and the upper echelons of the FBI um, really prostituted themselves in order to protect the president's son or and previously to ensure that Joe Biden won the election and Donald Trump didn't. So, um, uh, but I must say that certainly for John Paul MacIsaac, who's been smeared and traduced and yeah. um, told that he lied and that he's made up the story or that somehow he's part of some grand conspiracy to concoct the, the laptop or that it's Russian disinformation. I mean, there've been a million stories, not by the way, from Hunter Biden himself, he's very cleverly uh, ensured that he doesn't lie on the record about the laptop. Um, but we now know from the latest whistleblower, uh, Gary Shapley, the lead IRS supervisory agent on the Hunter Biden investigation, uh, that the FBI had authenticated uh, the laptop back in November of 2019, because that was when uh, they had a phone call with John Paul MacIsaac, the laptop repair shop owner, and he told them about the laptop. He wanted the he wanted law enforcement to take the laptop because he knew there was information on it that he felt he didn't want to be part of. He was afraid having it, and um, so uh, they the FBI then quickly just matched the serial number on the laptop um, to Hunter Biden's iCloud account. Bingo. So then when they uh, took the laptop with a subpoena from John Paul MacIsaac in December of 2019, it took them a month or six weeks to actually authenticate the contents. And they did do that. And they also, we know that the FBI from this testimony said that there had been no tampering, there had been no insertions, that this was reliable evidence to use in an investigation. It could go to court. So... That, that You're talking about February of 2020 at the latest. And in October of 2020, you had 51 former high-level intelligence officials, former heads of the CIA with security clearances, who lied with that disgusting letter that they wrote saying um, that the Hunter Biden material that we had been publishing was Russian disinformation. And they knew that wasn't the case. Uh, some of them have admitted that they knew it wasn't the case, but they wrote that letter so that Joe Biden could go into a debate against Donald Trump and lie and say that this wasn't his son's laptop, that this was Russian disinformation. And Joe Biden knew perfectly well that that wasn't true. 
So as we hear all this, we hear all the things that have come out from the two IRS whistleblowers. And now um, the one it's the one's attorney, uh, Shapley's attorney, Chris Clark, admitted that the WhatsApp text is Hunter's, that it that that is legit. So we know that that's legit, that it is Hunter's text. So now it's the, the spin is, oh, well, you know, Hunter was in the throes of addiction. Who knows if his father was really there? There's excuse after excuse after excuse. You just went through a whole litany of people who lost in order to influence an election. We know that um, information was withheld. We know that the 1023 form uh, was withheld from by, because of the whistleblowers was withheld from them when they were investigating Hunter Biden's alleged tax fraud, just not paying taxes, which is ironic coming from a party that is okay with this because they're all about paying your fair share, but it's apparently okay if you're, you know, Hunter Biden doesn't pay his fair share. But the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office did not inform them of the existence or the contents of the 1023 form. So, so again, they are obstructing investigations. So all of this is outrageous, but I think it's hard for the general public to become outraged anymore because nothing ever happens, right? Like there's never any kind of justice. There's never any kind of resolution to any of this. And I think people just like shrug and say, oh yeah, well, this is outrageous, but I just can't waste to expend any more time or energy on finding out what's really happening because nothing's going to happen to these people. Well, look, I think that kind of defeatist attitude um, just gets us nowhere. And this is an important um, issue. Uh, We know that corruption in Washington exists. And yes, it's a huge problem. And it's, um, you know, too big maybe to, to tackle straight away with one fell swoop. But the American people need to make it crystal clear to their politicians that they don't approve of it, that they are aghast at the revelations, that influence peddling makes um, us less safe, that it is damaging to our national security. And, um, and you know, I, I know it goes on with a lot of politicians on both sides um, of the aisle in Washington, D.C., but Joe Biden is the past master at it. Uh, there is voluminous evidence to show that he was involved in the influence peddling scheme uh, run by his son and his brother uh, with his say-so. They were peddling his power when he was vice president. He met with Hunter Biden's business partners on a regular basis um, more than a dozen times that we've uh, verified. Um, And, you know, he met them in Washington. He met them in Beijing. He invited them to his own home. He had lunch with uh, dinner with them at a restaurant called Cafe Milano in Georgetown. That's all, uh, you know, verified. So So, I have I have about one minute here. So. All of this, we were starting to see CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, not really MSNBC yet, but they're starting to report on some of this now, right? They're starting to report on the WhatsApp uh, uh, text. They're starting to report on what the whistleblowers were saying. Is this the signal that Joe Biden's not going to be the candidate because they're starting to report the truth? Yeah, I, I've heard people make that assumption. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's true. I think it's more likely that uh, really the Gary Shapley testimony on Friday was the last straw because this was, um, you know, a credible person. He's brought, uh, he's brought evidence. There are exhibits 
peppered it into his testimony, um, you know, transcripts of interviews with Hunter Biden's former business partners, um, memorialised conversations with, you know, half a dozen witnesses uh, into the DOJ obstruction um, documents. Uh, he 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 brought the receipts, and it is impossible to dismiss him as just a disgruntled person, especially when there's a second IRS whistleblower who's backing him up and augmenting the information. Mm-hmm. And it all it all corresponds and corroborates previous information that has been ignored by the media. I just think that there still are. Uh, journalists of integrity, believe it or not, who work in these organisations and they've had to keep their heads down because their editors are completely corrupted. Um, I think these journalists are starting to say, "Uh uh-uh, we're going to ask questions. We are going to start uh, investigating these stories because this is a huge news story. If you're a journalist, you don't care which side of politics it is. This is the biggest corruption story uh, and a cover-up story like Watergate. The cover-up story is now bigger than the original corruption story. Right, right. And we are hearing rumblings of from from certain people on the right about impeaching a whole bunch of different people. Before I get there, they give me a couple extra minutes with you. I, I just want you to hear this. This is making the rounds. The RNC tweeted this out last night. This is Joe Biden uh, a couple days ago, but I think it's five days ago now, with the Indian Prime Minister Modi. And he uh, was apparently joking, but uh, some people are pretty shocked by what he said here. I was just thinking, uh, uh, the, anyway... I started off without you, and I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared. Now, all kidding aside, look. All right, so so he then says, all kidding aside, and he goes on to to joke about it. But it was weird to me the way it came out. He loses his train of thought, and then he goes into, well, I've, I've sold a lot of state secrets. I don't know. Should he be joking about that kind of stuff right now? No, of course not. I mean, it's very ill-judged to be making jokes about serious corruption allegations about his family and him. Um, and But this is sort of his tried-and-true tactic. Uh, um, he, he may be a bit cognitively slow these days, but there's a lot of muscle memory there. And this is how he rolls. This is what he's always done. Whenever there's uh, some allegation that comes too close to him, it's happened many times throughout his very long, you know, five-decade career in politics. Uh, whenever something comes close to him, he looks it in the face and he kind of dares you to come after him. He jokes about it. He uses laughter as a weapon. You can see that um, very well, actually, in uh, a debate that he had with Paul Ryan, vice presidential debate. Um, And he he uses laughter, sneering, mocking laughter as a weapon. He's very good at it. He's been doing it for a long time. Uh, he, He sort of it works because he, he he sort of it's like when he sat down and he said uh, made the comments um, on on record on video that he fired the prosecutor um, in uh, Ukraine by threatening to withhold a billion dollars in US aid and son of a so so and so uh, he got fired. You know, he says things like that. That is his greatest Achilles heel. Because then what happens is people who are journalists who are trying to make excuses for him say, oh, he can't have done anything wrong because he came out openly and said it. Same here. He comes out openly and makes jokes about something that he refuses to address when he's asked by journalists. Uh, Any journalist that dare ask 
um, him a question. He just lies. He says no, he wasn't involved in his son's business dealings. Um, he, he, the, the White House will not let any journalist who who will ask a tough question ask any questions. So they have to shout at him in corridors. Um, but he, he's refused, and he refuses to allow the White House to address these serious allegations. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't see where there ever has been such serious allegations backed up with evidence against a president um, before, and he just refuses and gets away with refusing to address them. And so what he thinks he's doing now is a kind of a limited hangout in a joking way, addressing it front on. And I think it's really inappropriate and, um, and just shows you what kind of an audacious character he is. I, very very quickly, I have thirty seconds. Um, how what what missing puzzle pieces are there? Are do we have enough puzzle pieces at this point in the game to bring any kind of serious impeachment uh, against Biden or maybe periphery characters around him, Merrick Garland, Christopher Ray, those types of people? Do we have enough, or do, what are we missing? Oh. Look, there's a million reasons to impeach Joe Biden. If, if you know, I guess the calculation has to be what's the advantage for the Republicans and how will the voters uh, greet it? I think that why would you not um, impeach Joe Biden? I, I would not have said that before they decided that they were going to arrest uh, Donald Trump and start uh, prosecuting him um, unreasonably for things that Joe Biden himself has done, uh, things much m- much less bad than what Joe Biden's done. Right. So, uh, you know, it, all bets are off. All, all political norms have been busted. So uh, why not just do what the, the Democrats did to Donald Trump? Why not um, put them on the defence? Uh, why not um, force the media to cover this story? Because if there's impeachment proceedings, that is what the media will have to do. And really, at this point, there's no pretending that we're living in a normal universe. We're, We're on uncharted territory. So I think go ahead and impeach Joe Biden. He won't like that because, you know, historically he'll be uh, the impeached president. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't go through the Senate. It just smears him. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And I I always say I wish Republicans would wake up every morning and say, gee, what would Nancy do? And if they would just do it the way Nancy did it, uh, we'd be in a much better place. Miranda Devine, thank you so much. Find her on Twitter at Miranda Devine, New York Post, uh, of course, as well. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a fantastic week. Bye-bye. You too. 866-408-7669. I will get to your calls next on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The Hunter Biden story, the scandal, the this, the that, it's also the story of a father's love. And Joe Biden has never and will never give up on his son, son Hunter, and will never treat him lesser than. And so he is a father first. Take it or leave it. That's who he is. That is part of his heart. Yes, that is Anna Navarro, you know, the Republican uh, on The View. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the way this this whole thing with Hunter Biden and what we're finding out about not reporting his taxes and, and you know, the, the diamond that he got and the Porsche, the car. I think he got a Porsche, uh, all that, you know, like, you know, it's because he was in the throes of addiction. You know, the gun form, you know, we, we should give him some some intervention. That's what we should do, because, you know, Joe Biden loves his son. And uh, he's got family values. He's got good family values. And I think to myself, he also has a granddaughter. Joe Biden also has a granddaughter whose existence he denies. He's, I don't think he's ever met Navy, has he? I don't think he ever has. Uh, the four-year-old, like when they remember Christmas, all the stockings, all the, 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 the grandchildren and everything, her stocking's not there. That's good family values that Joe Biden has because he loves Hunter so much. Just not Hunter's granddaughter. Hunter's daughter. He's not loving the daughter that her so much. Stop it. And you know, you, there are Joe Biden. I get that he loves his son. I totally understand it. I think that that's absolutely true. And he he loves his son though, right into addiction. When he never lets him hit rock bottom, and that's a problem. Very quickly, I've got one minute. Rita in South Carolina on WRNN. Rita, I've got one minute. Hi. I was listening to your interview with Miranda, who I absolutely adore, but that's a nice talking point. Reach out to your representatives. When the corruption runs that deep, you know it's not going anywhere. What can we, short of an uprising, as American citizens do to flip the narrative? You know, it's a great question. It's a fantastic question, and I don't know. I, I, too, get very frustrated when someone says, well, you know, you make a phone call and you call your representative. I'm like, yeah, and I get an answering machine and I leave my message on the answering machine. Big deal. Uh, Rita, that's a great question. I, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe somebody can come up with the answer, and we'll get it coming up here. I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. We'll get that coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I am Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. You are welcome to join me if you want to comment on anything we've been discussing. 866-408-7669 is my number. You can find me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. And Tuesdays, which is today, uh, I have a podcast. It's live on YouTube and on Getter. Just look for Mary Walter Radio. And uh, sometimes I have a guest host, like I had Lieutenant Colonel Alan West last week. Sometimes um, we have people come on who are political figures, and we do all non-politics with them. <laughs> so uh, that that's also uh, a lot of fun as well. You, and you can go back if you go to YouTube and look for Mary Walter Radio. You can watch old episodes and the audios on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So tonight we'll probably just be talking some politics and also talking about some stories that you don't really hear a lot of. I, I like to try to find some of those and and share them as well and get a good discussion going. So um, going back to uh, Trump and what we were talking about with Miranda Devine in this case against him, you know, you've got uh, Jack Smith, who is the special counsel who is investigating Trump. And of course, I don't even you can't even name me the guy who's investigating Biden, the special counsel for Biden, because nothing's coming out about that. Nothing. You hear nothing. Trump, though, we're leaking audio. All this stuff's coming out. We are full speed ahead. We've got a court date, you know, pedal to the metal. Let's go. It's Trump. We finally got him. He's going to jail. Biden crickets. 
Nothing. That will be slow walked until, well, after the election, right? Because they're going to slow walk it into a couple months before the election. And there's like a traditional time where you don't do stuff and um, nothing will come out because, you know, we don't want to influence the election. And then after the election, they'll go back into it. And I don't think Biden's going to be the president. And then, you know, then they can go after it. And it's just all going to die and go away and nothing will happen. But Trump, front burner. Now, uh, the judge in Trump's case is U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon. She ruled yesterday that the special counsel, Jack Smith, he made a request to her and she ruled that, no, you can't have this. What he wanted to do is he says he has 84 potential witnesses against Trump. 84 that they can find. The guy who placed the bombs the night before um, January 6th on January 5th outside the DNC and the RNC and they got video of and everything else, that guy they can't find. But 84 potential witnesses. So when they want to find something, they can find it. Um, he wanted them sealed. So he didn't want even Trump's attorneys to be able to see the names of the witnesses. Well, that's just insanity. And she said she's not convinced, she was not convinced that federal prosecutors did not have other means at their disposal to justify shielding the list of potential witnesses from public view. All right. So if you want to shield it from public view, that's fine. Now, I'm shocked that they didn't want to make it public to just really say, we've got all these people who are going to testify against Trump. She said the governor's motion, the government's motion does not explain why filing the list with the court is necessary. It does not offer a particularized basis to justify sealing the list from public view. It does not explain why partial sealing, redaction, or other means other than sealing are available or unsatisfactory. And it doesn't specify the duration of any proposed seal. Also, the New York Times, CNN, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, and Insider have also opposed it and argued against sealing this witness list. They said that it would deprive Americans from learning about a highly significant initial step in this extraordinary prosecution. As part of the conditions of Trump's release, um, he is not allowed to contact the potential witnesses about the case except through counsel. That's fine. I don't know if he has it in himself to to not do that, but, you know, every now and then I guess he can exercise some restraint. You know, the other part of this is Trump's got a, a, a gag order, right, about things that he can and can't say about the case. But yet the DOJ, the prosecution, can leak audio about, you know, things that he supposedly said and without any kind of video, no context, just leak the audio. That's okay. But Trump can't really defend himself in the court of public opinion. This is why this is so bad, so, so bad what they're doing. Okay, let's head over to the Joe Biden side of things. Um, I love this story just because it's hypocrisy at its absolute Democrat finest. So hypocritical. So Hunter Biden lied on his federal firearms form, right, in order to obtain a weapon because he checked the box and signed where it says that you are not currently, you know, using any kind of, you know, class one illegal drugs. And we know that he was high as a kite because they're saying, well, that's why we have to forgive him. And that's why he didn't file his taxes because he was in the throes of addiction. So, okay, he was in the throes of addiction. So that would make that a lie. And but we're not going to punish him. We're not actually going to enact the law on Hunter Biden because, you know, 
His last name's Biden. So we're just going to give him an intervention so he won't go on his record or anything along those lines, despite the gun being thrown into a dumpster uh, across the street from a high school in order to, quote unquote, get rid of it, which, again, pretty sh- I don't know. I'm my hunch is that's probably not legal, but I'm not 100 percent sure. His father is now targeting the makers of AR-15s and other firearms that, that, that Democrats think are quote-unquote assault weapons. And on Sunday, he called for the ability to file lawsuits against people who make AR-15s if a criminal decides to use the gun in an illegal fashion. And he keeps claiming that lawmakers can't be sued. He keeps saying that. Well, in a sign of the coming apocalypse... CNN fact-checked him and they checked this, they fact-checked him last week and they pointed out the law that he wants to repeal, the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, doesn't shield gun makers from all lawsuits. Quoting CNN, are you ready? Gun manufacturers are not entirely exempt from being sued, nor are they the only industry with some liability protections. There are, notably, there are significant liability protections for vaccine manufacturers and at present for people and entities involved in making, distributing, or administering COVID-19 countermeasures such as vaccines, tests, and treatment. It does not shield gun lawmakers. It does not shield gun makers from lawsuits over defective products. So if the gun, you know, misfires, it's made improperly, just like a car. If it's made improperly, then, you know, there's lawsuits abound, right? It's designed to shield them from frivolous lawsuits over crimes committed with guns that were legally made and legally sold. And that to me sounds like a quote unquote common sense gun law, right? But the hypocrisy of it, that Hunter Biden gets away without having to pay any kind of of punishment, zero repercussions for breaking an existing law, but yet his dad wants to put more laws in to affect, to to basically drive gun manufacturers out of business. I thought, oh, the hypocrisy is rich. All right, also hypocritical. You know, the most transparent administration in history, the Biden administration. It seems that the White House log, the White House logs, eh, not necessarily in order. The records detail more than 300,000 visitors from January of 2021 through February 2023. Uh, and uh, But a Bloomberg News analysis of the data that was released from the White House for the White House logs, which, by the way, Obama was the first one to release them. Trump didn't release them. Biden's releasing them. But he's just releasing bits and pieces. They, uh, they found duplications, anomalies, and missing names. And so there's a lot of questions now about the accuracy and the completeness of the logs. And these logs record business meetings, social functions, and receptions. So if they have a reception and they put in it list all the people that come to the White House for the reception, Biden may not talk to all of them. I get it. But business meetings we probably should know about, don't you think? A White House official speaking on condition of anonymity said some of the gaps could be explained by the practice of staffers signing in visitors for their bosses, you know, for logistical reasons. Mm -hmm. Would that logistic happen to be that they don't get their name in the White House logs, so we don't know how many times people visit, certain people visit? Would make sense. 866-408-7669. Kamala Harris, not only the first female vice president, not only the first Indian 
um, African-American vice president, checking a lot of boxes, but there's another first for her as well. I'll share it with you coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. As I told you, Kamala Harris, another first. This woman is smashing glass ceilings everywhere. Everywhere. It's incredible. Her latest first, well, she has um, performed better than any other vice president since 1995 when NBC News uh, started conducting a poll on popularity of vice presidents. Yes, she she set the record. She's number one in uh, being the worst vice president uh, in people's minds. That That's pretty much what she's done. So another first for Kamala Harris. Way to go, lady. Um, <laughs> this poll shows that 32% of registered voters, 32% have a positive view of her, while 49% have a negative view of her. The resulting net negative of 17 is the lowest for any vice president in the polls history. 39% have a very negative view of Harris. And I'll go through this. But what does this say? 866-408-7669. First of all, Joe Biden, brilliant when it came to picking vice presidents, right? Um, from what I remember hearing that Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, was not thrilled about her being the vice president because, you know, she painted Joe Biden as a as a radical, as, as a, a racist and not was not happy with her. And let's face it. He did give her some really, really, really crummy assignments, like solve the border problem. So she did. And she just said, I'm just not going to do it. And then did nothing. But what does this say though? If Joe Biden, either he gets taken out because of the investigations into him, which by the way, as I said, um, ABC, NBC, CBS, the rest of them, CNN are reporting on what's happening with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and, you know, no taxes and alleged bribes and things. So to me, the talking point has gone out that it's time for Joe to go. So who then Kamala Harris? I mean, it seems like she would be the, the heir apparent. Do they not go with her? Do they do, and they go with that? You know, we're we're gonna let the the woman hang in the wind here, and we're not we're not going to endorse her as the airport parent to Joe Biden. Newsom says he's not running. Do you replace Kamala Harris, a woman of color, with a white guy? I don't know. What do Democrats do? Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I want to go to Virginia and talk to Rock on WNIS. Uh, about the system. It's no longer fair. He's lost faith. I think a lot have. Rock, welcome. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. I basically think that um, it is unfair, and I used to be a big believer in it. And I I would say that they could make mistakes, or maybe they overcharged someone, or um, maybe they, they were too eager to get a conviction. And I'm, you know... But now I no longer really believe in it. I don't trust it. I wouldn't work with the FBI on anything. Um, I don't. I just. I'm to the point now where I think that really big moneyed interest uh, and politics are what really drives the Justice Department and the uh, say the ATF 
the police state, I guess you could say. And they've, they've kind of earned that. And uh, I'm ex-military. I'm very pro-American and very, very pro-America. And I really don't know at this point, can anything be done about it to reverse it? Because I think they're so dug in and so corrupt. I think in my lifetime, I'm not going to see it. I don't know what it'll take to change things, but I used to have faith in it, and I've kind of lost it. You know, it's like at this point, it's let them do what they want because they're going to do it anyway. You know, and, and Miranda Devine, when I had asked her a very similar question, said, you know, it's a very defeatist attitude. We can't have a defeatist attitude. But I'm with you. I, I kind of am at the point now where I'm like, go ahead, keep going. Vote for what you're voting for. You know, Grenada is a great place to expat to. <laughs> you know, when it's time well, to go, Grenada is a great place to go. Um, I, you know, it's like I have friends who just won't vote for Trump. They just won't vote for Trump because they don't like him because he's not a nice guy. I'm like, so you're going to let Biden win. Well, I'm just not going to vote. I'm like, so you're going to let Biden win. So way to go. But there's, I I, I don't know what it is. There's like a weird mental illness going on. I I think what it is, is this people are just, uh, apathetic because they see what's happening and no one holds their feet to the fire. I know what they're doing in Congress. But as you, but it seems like all they ever do is talk. They don't yep. actually put the, the pedal down. And, you know, I'm not going to vote for Biden. I sure ain't going to do that. And if, if whoever gets it, DeSantis or Trump, that's who I'm voting for. But I think at this point, and I'm probably one of the crazies who believe it. I honestly, I'm not real sure about the last election. Not voting machines yeah. and everything was brought up, but the amount of money and the fact that the Justice Department, the FBI, all these other agencies admitted to doing things, and it's like nothing happened to these people. They, they right. went on to better jobs and careers. Yeah. They wrote books. They're on TV. They yeah. admitted to doing this. It- right. Yeah. And, and I get it. I get it. You know, that that you get this feeling of, well, now I have to question everything. Right. Like it doesn't make sense to me. But, but now I got to question everything. And and I think that that happens. I don't know if that's being done on purpose to make us think we're crazy. Are we crazy? Because I'm questioning everything. Like now I'm going back and I'm looking at stuff going, oh, well, I wonder if I should have believed that. Should I believe this? And I don't know if that's part of the game. I have no idea. But you asked some great questions, and thank you so much for your service, Rock. I, and I don't have an answer for you, unfortunately. But thank you so much. Let's quickly go to Tina in Oklahoma about Vice President Harris. Tina, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I just want to know where our vice president is. I have, you know, searched her up and trying to figure out what she's been doing this last year or two. And I guess she's down in the basement giggling, <laughs> kind of like Biden ran his presidential campaign from the basement. She's taken doing her vice presidency from a basement. Yeah, you know, that's a great question. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that question. I just looked it up. I'm like, where is uh, Kamala Harris? Uh, she just arrived in New York City on Air Force Two. She um, was making the rounds. She, she's been making the rounds on the whole Pride circuit. She's been going to a lot of Pride events. Oh, my God, um, yeah, well, you know, this is this... so much more important than the people coming across the border, you know. Well, that is very true. But on the upside, I have to tell you, Tina, I just don't think she'd handle it that well anyway. So her not getting involved in important stuff is probably a good thing. 
she's not competent. We know she's not competent. She, we know she was chosen because of of her gender and her skin color. Because Joe Biden told us he was going to pick a, a a woman of of color. That's what's going to be his vice presidential running mate. So, so he backed himself into a corner. So we got her. And she's not competent. She didn't even make it to the Iowa caucuses on her own, right? So, so nobody likes her, as we just said with the the latest uh, poll. She's rated now the worst vice president since they started taking the poll in ninety in the early nineties. So, I kind of am glad that she's not around. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's a great question, and I don't know. She's been, like I said, making the rounds of the uh, the pride events. Uh, Tina, thank you so much for joining me. It's a, you know, we're, where in the world is Kamala Harris? But listen, watch Biden. Biden's going to campaign from the basement again. You watch. It worked once. They're going to go back to the well, and they're going to do it again. And you watch the mainstream media, for the most part, are going to cover for him again. They're going to same playbook. It's going to happen all over again. I'm Mary Welcher. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We did it, Joe. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. I am indeed Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. You can follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. Lots to talk about when it comes to our kids. And and this has just been something that to me has just been on speed, like just comes up, has come up so quickly. I'd say within the last couple of years, really, I even remember this before the pandemic and talking about our kids and uh, this whole transitioning thing and changing their names and changing their gender and their identity and, and, and what parents are now allowed to know and not know about their children and their child's health. Let's unwrap it with Dr. Tom Kirsting. He's a family therapist, the author of Disconnected. His new book is called Raising Healthy Teenagers. Find him on Twitter at Tom Kirsting. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Mary. Pleasure. Am I right that before the pandemic, I don't really remember any of this at all happening in our schools and this influx of this lgbtq it's really not even the gays and lesbians and bisexuals it's really the queer part of the alphabet there that has just seems to have just taken over our schools what happened when did this happen did i miss it (laughs) well you know what i you know it's just before i came on with you i was just going over some research you know some studies and stuff and in 2018 which is five years ago before the pandemic there was a a research study done on what's called uh, rapid onset gender dysphoria you know and and obviously you know when the results came out it was very controversial you know and you hear these stories now where you know the the schools are in new jersey and i worked in a public school for 25 years in new jersey where the you know district attorney is now you know shooting down a law, I believe, that was put in place that would, you know, make schools have to notify parents if their kid all of a sudden has identified as transgender. Um, but the the thing that scares me about that is when you look at statistics, right? You know, you have, uh, according to the study, kids that come out uh, as uh, as some other gender um, have, are sixty two percent. Sixty two percent of them had a prior mental health issue. Transgender individuals have a much higher suicide rate, um, and and these are the things that we really need to to think about. Like you know, parents re- parents need to know what's going on in their child's lives. So this idea that you know we're not going to tell parents something is sort of like saying, all right, well you're the parents don't know what they're doing, we do, 
You know what I mean? And right. we need to get back to parents being the ones in charge of their kids, not school officials and politicians. Yeah, what's happening in New Jersey is Governor Murphy's administration filed three emergency lawsuits yes, on last week against several school districts that implemented new policies that would require staff to notify parents if their child expresses the desire to change their gender identity. And the, the lawsuits were filed one day after the policies would approve. For, so in one school district would require teachers and other school staff to notify parents if they're, when their child chooses to change their name or pronouns or requests to use a bathroom that does not align with their biological sex. Now, the attorney general in New Jersey said that the notification policy could irreparably harm transgender students. And um, the other school districts had similar. The other two require the principal or designee to first talk with the student before alerting the parents. And they require parents to be notified if their child requests accommodations regarding their gender identity. But what I notice when it comes to the state, the state keeps saying, well, we're protecting transgender students. What they're not doing is protecting kids who maybe have another issue going on in their life. And this whole becoming transgender is just an out, I, I guess, an outlet for why they are, are are doing this. And so we need to, to your point, look at what's the underlying reason here, right? Is Do we find that most of these kids, you said some of them do have a another underlying mental condition. How much of this, as I suspect, is just a generation of kids who became very, very lost during the pandemic and don't have anything, they don't have any direction. They, they don't know where they're going in life. They were out of school for two years. And so they have a lot of problems. So, well, if I can just change who I am, I can change. I can solve my problem. I, I could be totally wrong on that, but that seems to me to be what's going on. Yeah, no, I would. I, I agree. I mean, you know, um, and according to the study I referenced, um, almost eight, about eighty-seven percent of the of the children, okay, um, that developed a sudden onset of, the, of gender dysphoria, um, it coincided with an increase in social media use. And um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and uh, almost 40% of them, you know, started socializing with friend groups where, you know, the majority of their peers identified as trans. So the study, you know, the two hypotheses that came from the study is something called social contagion. Okay, so we know kids are spending so much time online, and if you have a kid that's already compromised, you know, has an emotional issue and so forth, and then now they're feeling accepted by a certain group, you know, they may, it may be comfortable for them to say, okay, you know what, I'm now going to identify as a different gender and then there's, you know, more acceptance and so forth. Um, but certainly, you know, the pandemic, kids sitting in front of computers, you know, you know, I wrote the books on this, the, you know, the mind is very malleable and whatever we are exposed to over and over again just becomes cemented as a reality, you know, in our mental spectrum. Uh, and I suspect that's why we're seeing, you know, the, the fact that 40 something percent of, you know, uh, liberal arts college students now identify as, as uh you know, LGBTQ, you know, so there's something happening societally. You know, I don't really see it as in most cases as biological. I know that there's some evidence to suggest that there is a, there could be biological components. But, you know, when you have this kind of sort of contagion now taking place, we have to, you know, question what is happening in society and where are, you know, what information are our are, are kids and where is it coming from into their minds? You know, we know that they're spending nine hours a day on a screen, so. Well, it's, it's, I look at, we had a group of kids uh, for a hot second who were eating Todd pot, Tide Pods as a challenge on TikTok, right? <laughs> so it makes yeah. sense that if they see this going on on social media, that they'd be like, oh, cool, I'm a boy today. 
And, yeah, you know, I the mean, friend, other friends in their friends group, they see other peers doing this. And so it becomes, I hate to say it, but it becomes trendy. And now adults are taking a what I see to be a trend and what I see to be trendy uh, and, and saying, oh, sure, would you like to cut off a body part to really get into your trend? Let's go do it. So yeah, adults yeah, I mean, talking, are, are yeah, making I mean, it worse. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you talk about kids that are in elementary school, right? So, in ele- you know, and I hear this a lot, too. Like, I, you know, was supposed to be, I was supposed to do a lecture in New Jersey at a school. I lecture all over the country, and I got canceled. I don't want to tell you where it was because one of the parents, it was, I was going to speak to the parents at an elementary school because they were having a lot of issues with kids behaviorally, even social media and stuff. And um, so they called me and canceled the lecture because a parent had Googled me, and I was on a show just having a conversation about this, right? That's all having a conversation, giving some, you know, some uh, insight and some studies and so forth, not being opinionated or not, you know, not being anti-anything. But that was enough, um, you know, to have to get me canceled from doing this lecture. But the thing that really crossed my mind was the fact that, you know, this was an elementary school. And if you have a, a whole bunch of kids that are, you know, that are transgender in elementary school, you know, how can a kid that hasn't hit puberty even know what that is? You understand what I'm saying? Right. Well, they they know what it is because we're we're educating them in sex yeah. and not teaching them how to add, you know. Yeah, and I and, think, you know, we got to get back again. Like parents, you know, I, I have kids. I'm in charge of my kids. You know, and this idea that, you know, the DA is saying it would, if it would cause harm to kids, basically what you're saying is that the parents are harmful towards their children. That's kind of insulting in my opinion. Right. Exactly. I, I agree with you. I, I want to keep you coming up. I want to talk about California. There's a bill in California uh, that could actually have your child taken away from you. If you do not agree with your child saying I'm a unicorn. And um, so I, we need to talk about that. And I also wanted to talk about um, a study that came out from America First Policy Institute about the effect of not having a father in the home on kids. So mm-hmm. we'll come back. We'll jump into both of those quickly. We won't have a ton of time. So we're going to do a quick, quick, and uh, <laughs> we'll do that coming up. Now more with Dr. Tom Kirsting on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. We're with Dr. Tom Kirsting. He's a family therapist, and he is the author of Disconnected. And his latest book is Raising Healthy Teenagers. Find him on Twitter at Tom Kirsting. Uh, Thank you so much for staying with me. Uh, It's California. The Senate passed a bill that would consider it abusive if for a parent to not affirm a child's gender, quote, identity, and it would deny custody to non-affirming parents during custody disputes. Now, to me, I just see a boatload of problems here, including, you know, parents, uh, you know, when they go up battle at each other in a divorce, of course, a lot of them will use the kids as pawns, not the right thing, but it'll happen. I see this wreaking havoc with parents losing custody of their children just because their five-year-old says, I'm a girl or I'm a boy. And the parent's like, well, no, no, you're really not. This is craziness. And what effect does it have on kids? It sounds like something you'd you'd hear about in another country, not in the United States. You know, and you have to, you know, wonder why there's such a mass exodus 
from the state of California with everything going on there. And now you have this. This is it's almost like our, you know, California and other states. It's like it's like an upside down state. Like the common sense. You know, I was talking to somebody recently, Mary. Um, you know, when you hear the term genius, you think of like an you know an Albert Einstein and so forth. Mm-hmm. I now, I now consider a genius somebody that just has common sense because you're just <laughs> losing common sense. <laughs> you know. Uh, you, you're going to go take away a, 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 the, the child. It's never going to. This bill is not going to pass, first of all. Um, but just the very idea that you know legislators would actually try to you know to actually yeah. put a bill in place like this, it, it just shows you like the, where's our common sense as a society. None, obviously, none whatsoever. But then again, I'm at the point now where I just sit back and go, you know what? Stop voting for this stuff, and then maybe your life won't be such a mess. And yeah, exactly. you get the government you vote for, stop voting for it, and, and maybe things will turn around for you. I want to get into this. Yeah, I want to get into this report published by America First Policy Institute. They conducted, they compared a couple dozen studies that were conducted from 1987 up to 2022. And they found clear correlations between children raised in fatherless homes and developmental challenges ranging from bad grades, anxiety, and suicide to violent behavior, drug use, and criminality. According to the U.S census the latest data approximately 18.3 million children across america live without a father in the home it's about one in four kids 80 percent of single parent homes are fatherless this is a, a trend which is very sad and it's been going on for a while and for the longest time we told ourselves that yeah we don't need dads remember murphy brown way back when that was a famous murphy brown uh, storyline that you know was which was a tv show for those of you who weren't born yet and uh, she she was getting pregnant and didn't need a man. You know, shouldn't need a father, and that was controversial at the time. And now it's the norm. As as a family therapist, do you see this when you when you treat families, when you conduct therapy with them, and especially with the kids? What are they missing? Yeah, I mean, you know, a young you know, you look at you know, crime amongst you know young males uh, in America nowadays. And is often the correlation is often that there is not a father figure in the household. So young young boys transit, you know, going through adolescence and turning into young men, you have to have a a strong male role model. It's called an alpha male, right? And I know society doesn't want to hear that, um, but it, it 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 is what it is. If if a young male doesn't have a father figure and somebody a hierarchy, the alpha, like the silverback gorilla, um, they can go awry. That's how you wind up on the streets. Joining gangs, following you know uh, other males that aren't doing the right thing, and you get caught in that trap, and that's why we're where we we are. Um, and I almost feel like our society, you know, like yeah, the feminist movement is a, is a great, wonderful thing that has happened that has uplifted women. But you look at like young men in colleges nowadays. Um, fewer, there's more females on college campuses, okay, which is fine. Um, Fewer males are graduating college. I mean, you look at, like, centers, like pretty much every college has a women's center to help females. And there's only, like, three or four colleges that have a center for, for, for young men. So you know, young men are being left behind in our society, and, and it's evidenced by what we're, you know, the crime and everything else and the job market and so forth. And we need to do something about that. I, I totally agree with needing that, quote-unquote, the, the silverback gorilla, the alpha male. You see it also in um, – I saw a documentary on elephants – and when they, they need a, a male in the herd to knock the younger kids around, 
right? The younger male elephants who, who try to challenge him and everything else and they knock him around and that's their job. And, and it's, it's part of growing up. It's parenting. But what about the effects on young girls? It's got to have an effect on young girls. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, of course, mothers, you know, kids, both boys and girls, they need their mothers as much as they need their father. Um, but, you know, with young girls, it's, you know, young girls, it, it, like, yeah, I have a daughter, right? She's 16, and we have, and I have a son who's 20. And we, we ha- I have a great relationship with both of them, right? But it's a little, it's, it, they're somewhat different. Like, my daughter, um, she has a great relationship with my wife, obviously, but I have a, a certain special relationship with my daughter. You know, as a as a man, you know, trying to really, you know, just guide her spiritually and everything else, and and to just be a strong dad. So even you know, even young girls, they need a strong father figure, but boys more so. I really believe because of that alpha gene component. Is it possible for people who are single parents, specifically moms who are single parents, is it possible to substitute a a constant male family figure in lieu of the father figure in the home if the father is not a constant in the child's life? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and there are plenty of single moms out there that do a wonderful job. It's like double duty, and they raise those kids well. But you know, when there is, you know, a, a, a somebody that they and they don't even realize they look up to them you know like these young men like like for example like my son he's got all his you know his his buddies are over my house all the time and i've known all of these boys that are now 19 and 20 years old since they are like five years old and they they look up to me like i'm like their second dad and uh and i take pride in that and so the answer is yes um if there is a, a a reputable strong male figure you know in the life of a child that's from a single family household that is going to help, certainly help, you know, tremendously. How do we turn back, I guess, this devaluing of men in society? Is it cyclical? Does the pendulum swing back and we have that aha moment where we realize that, you know, yeah, we, we need men in the home. Men serve a, a role in the home for both daughters and sons and also for, for, you know, the family life in general. Families do much better when there are two parents in the home. We all know that. Your kid's less likely to grow up in poverty your kids much like much more likely to do better in school and this study showed by a significant amount school performance improves exponentially better when there's a father in the home so how are we i think up until now we've been ignoring this and i don't know if we continue to ignore it or do we turn the ship around we can't ignore it because without you know men you know uh, there's no children, you know, there's no future. Um, and that's just the reality of it. So, you know, we, I, I think having conversations like we're having right now uh, is a starting point. You know, you just watch TV nowadays, and it's like every commercial, if there's, they make the men look like doofuses, like they're a bunch of morons, right? Uh, right. Like there's something wrong with being a masculine male, right? You're not, that's a no-no. Um, and I don't know what that is, if that's a, you know, an intentional movement through media and politics and everything else to try to bring down men and, you know, and, and uh, you know, weaken our society. But, you know, even, you know, I saw some story where, uh, like, some, you know, woman, you know, looking for a, a, a very liberal woman, for example, um, you know, was trying to find, like, a strong male. And yeah, was unable I saw that. To. She can't understand why she can't find any liberal guys who are super strong. <laughs> Dr. Tom Christian, we got to end it there. Thank you so much for joining me. His latest book is Raising Healthy Teenagers. You can find him on Twitter at Tom Kirsting. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic week. Uh, you too, Mary. Thank you. I'll get your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. Join me tonight on my podcast, 7.15 Eastern Time. And you can find it live on YouTube and get her. Just look for Mary Walter Radio. No guests tonight. We're just going to be discussing some news and we'll be talking about some stories maybe that you haven't seen as well. And you can participate, especially if you're on YouTube. You can make comments. They go up on the screen. We interact with you. And the audio is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify about an hour after the podcast. And if you go to YouTube, you can look at some of the – click on the live tab. You can um, look at some of the older podcasts where we've had some great guests, a lot of names that you'll know. And those guests, especially if they were political people, most of them – we did every. We talked about everything about politics, so it was a lot of fun. Very, uh, very different and very fun, and got to know people like uh, Al- Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, for instance. Uh, we did all non-politics with him, and lots of baby pictures. He sent me lots of baby pictures, so that was fun. Cute little uh, Alan West before he was Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. So we were just speaking. With Tom Kirsting, Doctor Tom Kirsting is a family therapist. And he has some books out about you know getting your kids off of of devices. It's called Disconnected, and he has a new book called Raising Healthy Teenagers. And we're talking about the government's attempts in some of these more liberal states to kind of sever your parental rights with your own kids. And you've got California, who uh, it has now, it's probably won't get passed into law, but it's making its way through the process that if you as a parent do not affirm your child's gender or new name or new pronouns or whatever it happens to be, that those kids can be taken from you in a custody dispute. And uh, you see in New Jersey where there are some school districts who have said, we're putting laws into place. And this is what the people want. They've come to the school board meetings. They do the right thing, right? Local, local, local. And they, the parents make their voices known. And the parents wanted to know what's going on with their kids. Parents want to know if my kid is changing gender or not using the bathroom of his or her choice. I would want to know my kids safe in school. Sorry, guys, but especially my daughters, especially on like middle school and things like that. It's a jungle. Um, I wouldn't want my daughter who's like, oh, I'm a boy. And so she goes into the men's room and suddenly, you know, finds herself in a situation maybe she can't get out of or something. Uh, I I just would want to know those things about my kids. And I think that I should know those things about my kids. But in an effort to, quote, protect the trans kids, nobody's parents can know anything about it because you might be a terrible, horrible parent who wouldn't identify, who wouldn't confirm your child's gender, their new gender. And, and so we just can't tell you. It's illegal to tell you. The state in New Jersey is now suing those school districts who said, yes, we're going to tell parents what's going on with their kids. And then they're shocked when adults pull their children out of the public school systems and their numbers keep dwindling and they can't figure out why. And the poor, you know, the people who can't afford to pull their kids out of school are the ones who are left and are stuck in these awful situations where parents have zero say in their kids' education. You know, so the people that they always say they're trying to help, they never really, really are uh, helping. We also talked about a report that was published by America First Policy Institute. It's a nonpartisan research institute that works, quote, to advance policies that put the American people first. Okay, great. And they found by studying several dozen previous studies that were done, they compared them. And these studies were conducted from 1987 to 2022. 
And America First Policy Institute found what they called clear correlations between children raised in fatherless homes and developmental challenges ranging from bad grades, anxiety, suicide, to violent behavior, drug use, and criminality. And they said the report says this, the effect of fathers being absent was staggering with their children having far worse overall mental health and behavior. They also say some data that they saw suggests that fatherless kids are 20 times more likely to be incarcerated. 71% of teachers, 90% of law enforcement officials state that the lack of parental supervision at home is a major factor that contributes to violence in schools. Uh, Rasmussen poll taken last year, 84% of Americans believe a strong family is the foundation of a strong nation. And I agree with that. And I believe that that's probably one of the reasons why there's such a movement to destroy the family and destroy our institutions like the churches, etc. Now, before he signed off, Dr. Tom Kirsting said, listen, we need men because we don't have men. We don't have a population. You need a man and a woman in order to have children in order to further the population. Basic common sense, basic biology, but a teacher in San Antonio, Texas says that he was fired. His name is Dr. Johnson Varkey. He says he was fired for stating just that. Uh, He is being defended by the First Liberty Institute, which is a law firm that defends religious liberty for Americans. He's been teaching for um, over 20 years, and he says he teaches human anatomy and physiology. And every year he explains X and Y chromosomes. And he states that human sex is determined by chromosomes X and Y and that reproduction must occur between a male and a female to continue the human species. Well, this year, four little snowflakes got up, walked out of his class and complained. And and he the complaint was that he was engaging in religious preaching, discriminatory comments about homosexuals and transgender individuals, anti-abortion rhetoric and misogynistic banter and that his teaching pushed beyond the bounds of academic freedom with his personal opinions that were offensive to many individuals in the classroom. And this, so he got fired. So the problem with this is four kids in 20 years decide that there's a problem. So he gets fired. We keep empowering these kids that, oh, if you are uncomfortable, if you disagree, don't worry, we're going to get rid of the threat. This guy loses his job. 866-408-7669. What is going on? Are you seeing any of this in your schools? Are you seeing this, you know, with the kids? Do you agree with the idea that we need fathers in the home? Our kids are better served when there is a father in the home. Because it's pretty much the way things uh, bear out here. You know, and you've got... um, the other thing that I wanted to get to here, and we're going we're gonna to get into this, but I wonder if there's a little bit of a pushback because in coming up, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it. Ice Cube uh, vowed to take on the political Hollywood media and sports establishment. Now, I'm not 100% sure exactly what he's saying here, so I'll give you a little bit of this. Um, let's just go to cut 22. We'll start with this. We'll get to more of it on the other side, but, um, listen to what ice cube is saying here. Now he has a, um, a movement, the contract with black America, and he's been trying it's to, to foster economic opportunity and what he calls representation for blacks. And he has been trying to get this off the ground for a while. He posted this video 
um, is a little long, and I'm not 100% sure exactly what he's saying, so maybe you can tell us. We'll just start with this. We'll get more to the other side. Homeboy Ice Cube, some of you may not have realized that I'm not part of the club. A lot of you listening to me right here, right now, you're not part of the club either. And what I realized with the club is what makes them so mad is when you don't want to be a part of the club, that pisses them off. I'm talking about the club of gatekeepers. Ever since I put out the contract with Black America, you know they've been with me. I expect that. Yes, and it's interesting because when I heard this part of his little um, rant, if you will, I thought, wow, he kind of sounds like Donald Trump, doesn't he? Donald Trump is the guy, if you ever watched the Dave Chappelle video, this is his special. He said, you know, Donald Trump was the guy who's in the big house, you know, with all the rich people and, you know, the elite. And he comes outside to those of us who are at the gate looking in, you know, wishing we could get in the house, too. And, and he comes out and says, you know what they're doing in there? They're doing everything you think they're doing in there. And I know because I'm one of them. So here's Ice Cube, who is, you know, he's he's famous. He's a rapper. He's got a certain amount of fame attached to him, I think less so in the last couple of years than recently than before that, rather. Um, but, you know, he's well off. He's he's has an impressive recording career. And I think he's in he's in TV. He's in movies as well. And he's here's he's him saying, you know what? I'm not part of the club. I'm not part of the gatekeepers. And I wonder if people are starting to wake up. I'll play more of that with you. And then I'll play oh, Rachel Levine. We got that too. There's a lot to, there's a lot coming up, but I want to get your calls on all of this. 866-408-7669. Got some people waiting. I will get to them as well. Coming up next on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. Very quickly, let's go to cut 23 here. Here's a little bit more with Ice Cube. And I'm just curious when I hear someone like him speak in this way, and I wonder if the tide is turning. I wonder if parents and people in general have been pushed so far with the gay pride thing and parents not having, you know, having their rights taken away from them. And, you know, somebody complains and suddenly you have no livelihood. You lose everything because one person complains. Has the insanity gone? too far the nba been with us. a lot of people might say like well but kid you want to work with the nba really i don't give a about working with the nba what i want them to do when i say work with us is to stop working against us stop doing that bullshit behind the scenes that we know you're doing mainstream media they ain't with us and that's cool we can do it ourselves you know what i'm saying we still on the rise without these motherfuckers. so if we don't need them you don't need them yeah, it sounds like he's he's a little upset with the establishment. And I don't think he's alone. All right, let's quickly get to Paul in Boston. Paul, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome. Good afternoon, Mary. It's been years since I heard your wonderful voice raised by all the Mary nuns from the Sisters St. Joseph. I jokingly said to you, uh, Mary, hearing a woman's voice, um, you have maternal and creative. And the joke about, you know, Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow, is a a reality in terms of contrary, the reality of a five to seven or a child even in their late 18s, as we all know, we're still childish, 
not developed sometimes until mid-adulthood, and some never developed. So you have basic rules of society to call protecting of the security of peace and the security of the individual. Now, you can't, you know, fire in a theater and take a gun to court, but you're telling me, when parents went in to agree to this, according to the people that are pushing this on us, by nature, that means one of the parents is losing their rights. So you've got an adversarial or opposition-based agenda. And the ability to not let you know what's going on, change in a private room, and then remove you is tyrannical. It's absurd. Um, I would see if this actually enacts who would be okay with it and what would come about it legally, because this would be a watershed moment, a precedent that in a republic, the majority rule, it doesn't fit with our adjusted society of raising people in a modern area and protecting our children. Yeah, great points. I don't know where it goes uh, in a court of law. I would assume that it will. He, you're, he's just talking about the California law that would strip a non-custodial parent of their rights uh, if if they do not affirm a child and there's no age limit on it like a child who says you know i'm a boy or i'm a girl or i need you to call me by a different name now or anything uh along those lines and also if you're a foster parent you will lose your ability to foster if you also don't agree to go along with the agenda here which to me hurts the only person that hurts are the kids who need foster homes. There are not a lot of people who foster, so this is just going to hurt them, all in pursuit of an agenda. So I'm not really quite sure who we're helping here, but I just don't think the kids are being helped at all. Paul, thank you so much. I appreciate you joining us. Have a great week. I want to get to Linda in St. Louis. Linda, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi, Mary. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Yeah, I'm just concerned about this whole general... Um, when you were talking about that professor that was fired because there were one or two people complained about what he was saying, which was actual facts. Um, I'm experiencing something similar here. Um, I, I volunteer at an organization. It's a non-for-profit medical aviation transport that takes care of flying children and families all over across the country that need mm-hmm. help at you know no expense. It's all done through fundraising and donors. And every week there's a meeting that they would have in the hangar um, for the staff and the volunteers, which I will say probably 80% is volunteers, including retired pilots, aviation experts, the whole thing. And they would start this prayer, this meeting with a five-minute prayer every week. Well, apparently one or two people, which obviously, you know, we don't know who, complained about it because they found it offensive that, in their words, it was singling out a religion. Religion was never even brought up. It was just a moment of bringing people together to be positive and spiritual, which is really what the definition of prayer is. It doesn't single out any one religion. But they took that away from us. And so now, because there are a few people like myself that have been complaining about it um, in an open town hall meeting that we had a week ago, now they said, okay, well, we will let it be called a time of reference. So you can go up into the conference room and say whoever wants to go up there can go up there and have their time of, sorry, time of reflection, it's called. Um, Instead of us sitting in the hangar that we all did instead of prayer for five minutes before the meeting started. So I voiced my opinion about it, and I said, that is discrimination against us. You know, if these people are offended by it, these one or two people, then they can just wait five minutes before the meeting starts at 9 o'clock, and then they can come in at 9 o'clock. But though they wouldn't let them let us do that. We still have to go in a separate area from where we all would be in for this meeting. So that's what it's come well, to is, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, I guess. Yeah. No pun intended, but. Right. Well, the, the silver lining, Linda, we got around the silver lining here is that the people who don't go up to the conference room now, you know, who complained. So 
<laughs> at, at least there's that aspect of this. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, somebody complains, one person's offended, everybody has to lose, everybody else has to, you know, conform, which is ridiculous. All right, let's 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 end this on a fun note, shall we? There's a woman named Lillian Adroniak. She's from Connecticut. She's very popular on TikTok, and she's very, very candid. And she did a video, and she told people what she wants when it comes to her funeral. And she was uh, very, very uh, explicit. She named names people she doesn't want there, what she does want there. So here's Lillian telling everyone what she wants and does not want at her funeral. Play this video at my funeral. Thanks for coming, everyone. There's probably a lot of people here. So have fun. If you're crying, stop being a baby. Find a tissue and move on. Don't be sad. I lived a long time. I slayed every day and now I'm going to lay every day. I hope you slay while I decay. (laughs) So what she said there, if you didn't understand, she said, I slayed every day. So I slayed the day. Now I'm going to lay every day. I hope you slay while I decay. I thought that was great. All right. uh, There's more to it. She's not done. And Bertha better not be here. If she's here, kick her out right now. I'm going to haunt you, Bertha. And my ex, George, better leave. I know he's here. I'm going to haunt him too. I hope everybody gets drunk after this. You better take a shot for me. Love you all. I don't know who Bertha is or what she did to her, but Bertha's got to be kicked out, which is hilarious. And she wants her ex George uh, kicked out as well. <laughs> I thought that that was fantastic. You know, there's so much going on in the world. Every now and then you have to look for some humor and you will find it. And I love that she did that. I want to do something like that too for my funeral. I want to do that. Planning your funeral is apparently very popular. It's a new thing. Yeah, everybody's doing. I'm Mary Walter. Follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.